0: Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord this morning? I'm going to try that again. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord this morning? Yes, yes, yes. This young lady, I think, came to us the first time either three or four years ago, and she spoke a message that just absolutely was life changing for several of us, and we've had her back every year thereafter to bless us <laughs> to bless us as a congregation and to bless many of us individually as she's as she's been just had an incredible ministry this woman has a connection like no one I've actually ever seen before she is unique in both her style and her love for Jesus is absolutely unlimited and i just want to welcome to the stage and i'd love to see a valley welcome for Cheyenne Ragsdale-Eakins as she comes to the stage. Cheyenne, you just have the freedom to do as Holy Spirit directs you this morning.
1: That is a man who fears the Lord. <laughs> and not people. <laughs> I am amazed that anyone would hand me their microphone on Easter Sunday morning. <laughs> when they know that we sometimes have church for 12 hours. <laughs> Our little group back home, I'm not joking. We, sometimes 12 hours later. We're just still sitting reading the Bible. Some nights we just read a whole book of the Bible. We can't get enough. We can't get enough of him. I'll be 45 this week, and I found him when I was 40. But I tell you what, I had loved him and wanted him and was devoted. Do you have any tissue? I was devoted to the idea of him for 40 years I was devoted to him as well as I could be as much as I knew how by the time I was six years old we had a revival a man came through in Natchez Mississippi he preached at the church there for about three weeks scared everybody to death told stories that should have never be told. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about? I was so scared. (laughs) I was at the altar every night, and I would cry till I threw up. (laughs) So the night I got the Holy Ghost, you know, prayed through. I don't know if everybody knows all that language, but... My mom had forbidden me to go to the altar. She said, you cannot go tonight because you get sick every night. Don't go down there. And so my little friends came to me and said, why aren't you at the altar? And I said, my mama won't let me go. And they said, we'll just pray right here. And I prayed and received the beautiful gift of the Holy Ghost. I've loved him ever since. But I can't say I've known him. I can't say I really knew him. In the power of his resurrection. I cannot say I I was a worship leader. But I had no peace and no joy. And I had more guilt than glory. I carried much more guilt than I carried his glory. Today's Easter Sunday morning. What a beautiful morning. To remind us that Jesus Jesus is alive. 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 The actual Jesus is actually alive. If I could say one word that changed everything for me was actual. Because you can say Jesus is alive. Just like you can say target is open till 10. 10. How many believers do we have in the room? How many believers do we have in the room? How many of you believe that Jesus is Lord? That there's only one God? Well, so do the demons. <laughs> says the law belie- says the demons believe that and tremble. Some demons have more fear of the Lord than Christians. <laughs> How many of you believe Target closes when it says it does? How many of you believe that Target opens when it says it does? How many of you believe that God will do what he says he will do? But do you believe it in a way that you believe Target opens when it says he does? It does. Or do you step in to him? Target opening doesn't actually change your life. I know many of you live like it does, you know. <laughs> we live like it's, it's, it's life-saving and life-changing, but it's really not. But this word is. I'd like you to say this with me. For the Lord, now, but but I don't want you to say it like Target opens at nine, or whenever it opens. I, just because I sleep late. I don't know when time they actually open. <laughs> I want you to say it like you believe it, and I want you to say it like it matters. I want you to say it like Jesus Christ is actual. I want you to say it like the creator of the heavens and the earth is in the room. My son was struggling with his faith not too long ago. And he said, I just don't know if I can do this. And he was accusing himself. He was down on himself. And then he, that accuser turned it on us. He said, you all said this was easy. It's not easy. It's easier to do what you want. Now, this is a child that has prophesied since he was six. He couldn't probably count the healings he's laid hands on people. And, been, and they've been healed. He can tell me when a person walks in the room, what demon speaks to them and what the demon is saying? He's extremely sensitive to the spirit realm. But he was, having, <laughs> he was having an issue with his faith. Jesus said, Peter, Satan desires to sift you, to sift all of you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. How many of you have come to a place at any point in your life where your, da- your faith was in danger. And yet Jesus is interceding always. And I believe that he is praying that our faith will not fail. Because the storms that threaten the disciples' lives, they were life-threatening. And he was able to rebuke the elements, and they listened to him. And yet he turned and said, where is your faith? He didn't say, oh, you precious people, I can see why you were scared. Man, that could have taken you out. He knew that wasn't the danger. He knew the danger would be a lack of faith, because that is real life. Storms taking out a temporary life, not a big deal. A big deal to those who would be left behind. But attack and unbelief, taking out faith, that is a real deal. So my son was accusing himself. It's too hard. I can't do it. You all said accusing us. And, and my, my little boy, uh, Shiloh, he said, Elijah, God is in the room. And I said, how do you know that, Shiloh? He said, the Bible says and Elijah said, See, he believes and he'll be saved. <laughs> and I said, I know, honey. And my, my husband stepped in and started rebuking every evil spirit that was coming to torment our child. And when it was over, he said, Mom, the voice also, he described it as a voice, he said, it was screaming at him what to say. He said, It tried to get me to blame God. And I said, you have fear of the Lord. And when that voice accused God, he said, I shut it down. And I said, I need you to know the same voice that tried to get you to accuse God, accused us and accused you. Shut it down. You can shut it down the same way with the power of God and with faith. And I need to tell you guys that. Some of you would not dare accuse God, but you let the enemy accuse you all day long. And you let the enemy accuse your brothers and sisters all day long. Shut it. (laughs) Shut it down. Shut it down. Because whether you're a toe in the body or a finger in the body, your connection to the head is through the body. If your idea, and I told our church this a couple Sundays ago, if your idea of freedom is living a life above everyone else where you don't need them, <laughs> but you can bless all of them. <laughs> that is not freedom. That is not the point. So I want you to say, like it matters right now The Lord is good, the Lord is good. His, mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures. To all generations. all generations. That was just a warm up. I want us to just step into faith right now, actual faith, and say, The Lord is good. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. And, His and His truth endures to all generations. For the Lord is good. Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His And his truth endures to all generations. One more time. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Now, because I get a little discombobulated sometimes, she reminded me that you have a prayer team. At the end, Joel, the prayer team just come up (laughs) because we're just gonna go crazy. (laughs) Who's ready to get free? (laughs) Me. (laughs) Freer and freer. Come on, more and more and more. Always more. Take more of me. Give me more of you. One of my favorite pastors, TB Joshua, he makes bracelets for his church and they say, Take more of me. Give me more of you. He said, When you're laying in bed, remember, Take more of me. Give me more of you. When you're watching football, say, Take more of me, God. Give me more of you. Take more of my insecurity. Take more of my doubt. Give me more of your glory. Give me more of your love. I want to be like you. I want to be like you. Oh, Jesus. My husband will be impressed that I wrote quite a few notes on the plane. I never use them at home. In fact, last Sunday, it's on live stream. If anybody want to watch it, it's Eyes on Jesus Facebook. And last Sunday, I just took the mic while they were singing. And Jesus sang an entire sermon. <laughs> just the entire sermon came through song. And I'm telling you, people were falling out everywhere. One woman was visiting from California, and she said she'd never had that happen, and she fell out, and then she was shaking everywhere. And then she grabbed the mic from me and started repenting and confessing. (laughs) Yes! Yes, Lord. And then she said, I want to move here. I said, come on. (laughs) Come on. So anyway, I don't really preach from notes, but I did take a lot of notes on little sticky things right here and uh yeah i don't know i couldn't find them today (laughs) and so kevin would be very impressed that i wrote them and he will not be surprised that i could not find them i searched through all my luggage searched through my purse they'll come up when they're supposed to but anyway this one has nothing on it (laughs) but it did keep my place I hope I never speak out of my experience, or my wisdom, or what I've learned. I pray that the Spirit of God is always free to speak through my life. I pray that the Spirit of God will sing through me. I pray that the Spirit of God will love my husband through me. I pray that the Spirit of God will love my children through me. I don't desire for my children, to be great prophets or teachers or evangelists. I don't have those kind of dreams for them. I dream and desire and live that they will know God. If they can just know God. Someone asked me recently, we were preaching, and my husband's preaching a men's conference in Germany, and one of the elders was sitting beside me at a restaurant, and he said, how can I be sure not to miss my assignment? And I said, drop your assignment. Because you could find your assignment like Saul but miss God. If you will focus on knowing God, you will never miss an assignment. But Saul was living in his assignment. But his assignment was his focus. And the people who were affected by his assignment was the focus. So he not only lost his assignment, but he lost the blessing in the spirit of God. I am not grooming my children to be prophets or pastors or teachers. We are grooming them to know God. Oh, Jesus, Acts 14, 22. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures so you can follow me or write it down or just whatever you want to do. We read through Second Peter last Wednesday after church, and a few weeks before that, after church, we read through First Peter. It's so fun. Together, you know, just sit there with a the microphone and read it. Why not, right? Do I have anything better to say than God? I have nothing better to say to you than the word of God. So I'm going to speak the word of God right now. Acts fourteen twenty two. 22. Actually, I only wrote down part of it, so I better turn there too. <laughs> I was writing during the worship. Oh, what a beautiful time of worship. I don't know if y'all know how blessed you are. Where the presence of the Lord is free to come in and touch you while they sing. Where the presence of God is free to come and deliver you while they worship. The presence of God is so strong in this place. The presence of God is so strong. I can tell he is so welcome here. He comes where he's welcome, and he's so welcome here. Say, Lord, you're welcome here. You're welcome here, Lord. You're welcome here. Acts 14. Let's start with 21. After preaching the good news in Derb and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. Who would like to be strengthened? Come on, are you a believer? And could you use some strength? Who wants to be strengthened? Okay. They encouraged them. Who could use some encouragement? I am here to encourage you. I really feel very strongly that I'm here to encourage you. So I'm going to encourage you like they encourage them. They encourage them to say, continue in the faith. Now some people just don't think that's a big deal anymore because you raised your hand one day and you're good, right? No. Raising your hand while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, that's the beginning. Jesus prayed that your faith, that Peter's faith would not fail. All of his disciples. We're talking about Jesus telling the disciples. I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Now here in the, in the New Testament, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we see that the, the apostles were encouraging them to continue. Say, continue. continue. In the faith. Reminding them that we must suffer many hardships. Be encouraged. Who feels encouraged? (laughs) I'm here to strengthen the believers. I am here to encourage you and remind you that you must suffer many hardships. Are you encouraged? (laughs) To enter the kingdom of God. I'm here to encourage you. Some would encourage you by saying that your future looks bright and you are going to be amazing. Amazing in the kingdom of God because of your many talents and gifts. I'm not that girl. I'm not the one that's going to tell you, your future is going to be amazing because you are so beautiful and so called by God that you're just going to bless the kingdom everywhere because you just can sing like an angel, and you just have the gift of this and the gift of that and the gift of this. I don't see that anywhere. So I'm not going to say it. Is Said okay, pastor? <laughs> He's like, well, I invited her I asked the Lord a few Sundays ago with our church. I said, Lord, I feel you telling me to encourage them. Would you show me how? Would you show me how to encourage this church? And I opened my Bible. I literally just flipped it open. How many of y'all do that around here? That Bible flip? See what he says? I love it. Let me see. I think it's 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians 4. So let's turn to 2 Corinthians 4. Now remember, I'm here to encourage you and remind you that you must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. How many of y'all have ever heard that? It's true. Okay, so let's go to 2 Corinthians. I could probably use that iPad about now. Right? Just have my notes all lined up. Maybe one day. 2 Corinthians 4. All right, I think I'll put my glasses on for this. I'm just going to kind of skip around in 2 Corinthians 4, okay? Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. Can you say we don't try to distort the word of God? We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. So see, if you're an honest person before the Lord, you're going to know if I'm trying to trick you or not. Right? Well, I'm not. Okay. You see, and I'm skipping down. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and that we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Because I could sit here and tell you miracles that would amaze you. But they could possibly make you think that I'm amazing. And I just don't want to to take that chance right now. Because I'm going to tell you I'm not amazing. Jesus Christ is amazing. And the same Jesus that I have, you have. Say the same Jesus she has. Same Jesus Paul had. Same Jesus whoever your favorite preacher is. Has, I have. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. All right, let's skip on over to verse 16. That is why we never give up. How many of you feel like giving up sometimes, just be honest? I think my mama gave up just about every day of my life. For a few years. <laughs> I love you, boots. I love you, boots. But, man, she wouldn't let me give up. <laughs> she wouldn't let me fall prey to anything that was disturbing her. And, and she, know, she knows now that that's not the way to live. Let me tell you, wanting to give up and staying and wanting to give up in highs and lows, that is not the life God has for you. That is not the life God has for you. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying. Say, my body is dying. Just here to encourage you. (laughs) Our spirits are being renewed every day. Say, my spirit is being renewed every day. Unless it's not. Amen. Say, my spirit is being renewed every day. day. All right, now, how many of you, and you're probably scared at this point to raise your hand again, but how many of you are going through trouble presently that in some ways it feels like you're drowning in it? Be honest. There's something that you can't change, there's something you can't fix. There's something going on that sometimes feels like it's killing you. The heartbreak of it, the pain of it, the shame of it, the guilt of it, the the out-of-controlness you feel of it. This is what Paul has to say about your trouble. Your present trouble is small. And I know in your heart you think, well, Paul didn't know me. <laughs> and he didn't know my trouble. You put your troubles up to Paul. <laughs> One thing that we've been, the, whole, the Lord has been teaching us at our church, put your troubles and your successes, your failures and your victories next to the cross. If you put your trouble and your pain and your hardship next to the cross, it looks small. And if you put your victory, your own personal victory, where you actually feel good about yourself, next to the cross, it looks small. The, p- the best place to live is actually in the life of Christ. The life of Christ, and what I hope to do, to whoever needs it is help you shake out of your life and step into his. Because the apostle Paul said, ours say, my present troubles are small. And I can feel something in you going, is not, is too My trouble's not small, it is. Because the Word of God says it is. And you don't even know trouble like they were facing. You've never faced trouble like they were facing. And you can say, yeah, well, I don't, don't have the kind of faith that they. <clears throat> That's the point. <laughs> The point of this whole life is faith. Yeah. Say, my present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. (sighs) So we can go from trouble is drowning me if we have eyes to see, because the next part says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. And you're like, well, I can't look at anything else. That's the trouble. That is much more trouble than the trouble. (laughs) So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. You know, you become what you behold. I can tell when our people in our church come in, if they've been beholding Jesus or beholding their troubles. You can see it on their face. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And you're like, well, what What does that even mean? The things we can't see. That is the problem. is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen so if your faith if your faith is in your life being amazing for God instead of faith that God is amazing in you if your faith everybody has faith fear is just faith in the enemy So even if you feel like you have no faith, you have faith in something. Somebody asked me last Sunday, could you please pray for me against this spirit of unbelief? And I'm like, Lord, what do you want to say? Because I try to never pray according to someone's request. Because I could be partnering with their complaining. (laughs) So if you ask me to pray for something, (laughs) don't bank on it. I'm going to ask the Lord what he says. So I asked the Lord, what do you say about this? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, oh, it's not unbelief. The problem are his beliefs. His belief systems have nailed down this spirit of unbelief in his life. His belief in himself, his belief in his abilities, his belief in what the world says is success have completely cemented in his unbelief in the things of God. So see, everybody has faith. It's just who is your faith in? So if your faith is in the you that God could just make you if he just would, if your faith is in the happy life That God could give you if he just would. (laughs) Is your faith in what you think God should have already done for you? Or what you should already be doing for God? Because my goodness, you're more gifted, more talented than most people that he's letting do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you see the mindset shift? If God really loved you, your life wouldn't be this hard is what you'll hear. If God really was for you, your husband wouldn't treat you like this. Because surely God could do something about that. What's your faith in? Who's your faith in? Who you can be? Your best life? I spit on stuff like that. Makes me want to gag. Your best life. What do you mean your best life? You mean the life you're supposed to die to? (laughs) You know that a lot of people in my life think that my peace and joy is quite extreme. (laughs) we were called a cult a few weeks ago, our little church. And their reason was because the guy that had started coming, well, he went to a Bible study with other folks, but he no longer drinks and smokes weed with them. So it's just got to be a cult. (laughs) Because, I mean, don't you have to have something to deal with the troubles of life? My own family thought my lack of guilt was a little extreme because my goodness, if you're not worried, you're not smart. And if you don't fear for your children, how will you ever keep them safe? You see the mindset shifts? Some of that good old Southern guilt, Southern comfort, nothing, Southern guilt. People comforted by their guilt. (laughs) I feel victory in the place. Let me tell you what a blessing used to look like back in the day. (laughs) What we call a blessing. It would mean, now a real blessing. Now, whoever, sister, whoever, that just always worshiped the Lord, that, that was just... Kind of simple and bless her heart. <laughs> but how you could really tell God had moved. Now, I'm, I'm being sarcastic with that. How you could really tell God had moved were the people who were holding it all together and keeping it all together, and the Spirit would just hit them and try as they might to resist it. Amen. Something got a hold on me. Oh, yes, it did. And they would just get out. And then, man, you could tell it had been a good service. But see, I realize now the Holy Spirit was not coming in that moment to bless their life and change their circumstances. He was coming to change them, He was coming to change the heart. He was coming, trying not to give them a better life, but asking, could he live through them? Could he live again through them? My question to you today is, you know that Jesus is alive. You know that he lives again. But could you actually have belief that he could live again through you? He lives again. Can he live again through you? Can he live in you? Can he live through you? It's not what would Jesus do that used to confuse me. Because I would think, well, I don't know. He did like different things all the time, depending on the circumstance, right? You ever read? I mean, he'll do something here and do something here and do something here. I think it should be D-D-W-D. D-W. Figure it out do what jesus did how did he do it connection with the father complete obedience to the father laying down his life not my will but yours okay let's move through and make sense of a little bit of this let's go to colossians well let's go to john first look at that post-it note saving the place oh thank you jesus John 5, 19, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. What? And you want to be strong. (laughs) And you want to be strong. (laughs) And Jesus was okay with being dependent. Let me tell you something. The Bible doesn't say blessed are they, those who need God. Everybody needs him, and we need him all the time, equally in every part. Blessed are those who recognize their need. His strength is perfect in your weakness. There's been a place in my life where I have felt very weak and very dependent, and now I know that is the place I am the most blessed. So now, instead of trying to get that place to equal out with all the places where I feel really confident and amazing, I am trying to line those places up with this one where I feel very weak and dependent because that's where I'm blessed. Because in that place, I recognize my need of God. Does that make any sense to you? How we can sometimes despise our weakness and let me tell you what when you despise your weakness you despise weakness in others amen some of y'all despise weakness in others it's because it's because you despise your own weakness And I'm not talking about unrepentant sin. I'm not talking about that kind of weakness. I'm talking about where you feel helpless, where you feel completely inadequate and you feel like you're not enough. Let me tell you, that is not a limitation unless you allow it to continue to feel like a limitation. That is an entryway for glory. The place where you don't know the answers, the place that you have no clue what to do. That is the place he can be strong if you'll let him. The places where you feel strong, I guarantee you, you've barred God out of them. It's not bad to feel weak, it's right. You should feel like you're not enough. You never have been enough. You never will be enough. But he is everything, he is everything. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him. I believe this is Holy Spirit speaking through Jesus. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. And then you will truly be astonished. You ever wondered how you're going to do the greater works? Same way Jesus did. Let the Father show you. (laughs) Be completely dependent. Stop trying to be amazing. Stop trying to be amazing. You're not. On the day he returns, we will share in his same glory and honor. Right? Amen. Bible people, we will share in his same glory. It is not that day. This is where you keep laying your life down, being okay with weakness, and letting Him be strong and not depressed by feeling weak. That's a sure sign of pride. If feeling weak depresses you, you might have a control issue going on. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for repentance. For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge. And you know later, we, we, you hear Jesus saying, I have much to say, but I only say what the Father says. Even though God had already given him the power to judge, he still only said what the Father said. So that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. How many people are okay with God but with Jesus? No. If you don't honor the Son, you don't honor the Father. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Now, right over in 4, we're not going turn all the way there, but he, he said, The time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And here he says, I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Bible says to know God is to have eternal life. The Bible says my sheep know my voice and none other will they follow. It is very important that you know how to hear from God. It is very important that you do not depend entirely on your pastors, Pastor Rich, whatever prophets you go see, it is very important that you know God's voice. Because those who hear his voice and listen will live. So if that seems hard for you and maybe like higher level Christianity to you and optional to you, I am begging you, think again. But how can I hear his voice? For God sent his word and healed them all. Jesus Christ, the living word. The best way to get to know God is to read his word. And yet one of my favorite pastors, again, T.B. Joshua says, you could read this book a hundred times or a million times. But if you read the Bible as some form of devotion or exercise with offense Unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart. It will mean nothing to you. You need a free spirit for God to speak to you. And many people excuse their bitterness, pride and offense because of what was done to them. But whether you are technically right or wrong, if you hold offense, you're wrong. In fact, we see in the parable where Jesus was talking about the man who came to beg forgiveness for his debt. He owed millions of dollars and could not repay the debt. You understand that's me and you, right? We could never repay the debt of sin. And so the the master had forgiveness, had mercy, cleared the debt completely. And the man goes out and grabs someone that owes him a few thousand, grabs him by the throat and says, even though that person begged for mercy, you'll be kept until you can repay it. And then the master who had already forgiven him heard about this. He called him back in, put the debt back on him and released him to the tormentors. I'm going to tell you, if you are in this place and you are under torture and torment, and you're a Christian, and you wonder why God does not release you from this torment, there is someone you have not released. Unforgiveness, if you have been forgiven by God, and you refuse to forgive someone who's hurt you because of how unjust it was, your unforgiveness will turn you back over to be tortured. She came to encourage you. Listen, I just don't want you to think that God won't do something for you that He's already done. He's already forgiven you, and He said, forgive. But how could I forgive? I was praying for a, a worship leader in Germany. She came and have I told this story here. I was praying for her. I was preaching a women's conference and she came because she had had a trauma, sexual trauma, and she was having flashbacks. And she said, I don't really want to ask you to pray for me, but I do want to be free of this torment. So will you pray for me? Because it's killing me. It's just all day and all night. And I said, have you forgiven him? And she said, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> and I said, well, have you? She said, you don't understand what he did to me. Uh, So I know that Christ has forgiven you and the way you'll do it is the same way Christ. How many of you would like to know how to forgive someone that it still hurts you? How many of you would raise your hand? If you really right now, you would like to know, how do I forgive someone who's still hurting me? As they were driving the nails into Jesus, he was still hurting. Can you imagine the pain? And he didn't say, oh, you precious people, I forgive you because I'm so holy. He said, Father, forgive them. Again, showing complete dependence on the Father, not proving his holiness, not proving his strong character, not proving That he had a forgiving heart. But in total need and weakness and dependence on the Father. Father, forgive them. You've got to be willing to be weak and dependent on God to truly forgive someone who has hurt you. But I'm telling you this to encourage you. Because I don't want you to wait for God to do something he's already done. I don't want you to be so full of, of false messages that you too are just great. And you just have this amazing calling and God's just going to work it out for you. He's just going to make your life great. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Look at Peter. You are the rock and upon this church. I, this rock, I will build my, my church. And then Peter was taken to the cross. I don't want you to feel favored in blessings and disappointed and sad and depressed in trials. Let's read a little further. Oh, man. Let's go to John 16. I'm not going to keep you much longer. I want to pray for you. I don't even know what time it is. Is it okay right now? Are we okay right now? Okay. Ah. At the beginning of John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. See, there's that keeping the faith thing again, huh? And then he says in verse 26, John 16, 26, Then you will ask in my name. And I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly. Say, the Father loves me dearly. The Father loves me dearly. Because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, at last you were speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything, and there's no need to question you. From this, we believe that you came from God. And Jesus asked, do you finally believe? Because he knew they didn't. And he knows if you do. You can say, I, of course I believe, but Jesus knows if you do. You might be a faithful church worker, but maybe you are so laden down with guilt and shame that you get your worth from your work. That's not what he wants for you. That's not what he wants for you. He came so that you can have life and life more. He wants you to work for the church. He wants every. In fact, I heard a sermon this morning. Everybody pick a day and work for the church. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) And don't go ask your pastors what you need to do. Okay? Ask the department people. What can I do? What can I do for the church? And let that be your fasting day. Why not? I'm not telling you have to. just heard it this morning. Thought it was really good. Just here to encourage you. Jesus said, do you finally believe? But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. How many of you feel alone a lot? Loneliness is a demon. I have told you, and he goes, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. What did he just told them? He told them that he looked alone, but he knew he was not alone. And I'm telling you, you look alone, but you are not alone. When you're washing your dishes, when you're bathing your kids, when you're doing the things you do and you feel so lonely, he has never left you. And he never will. You are not alone. And he said, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. See, it's not just me. It's not just Paul. This was the, people are like, you need to know your promises. Yes, you do. Here's one of them. Just here to encourage you. Here on earth, it is promised that you will have much trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. And you could say, but how can he? Oh, I know. I believe. I believe. I believe that Jesus overcame the world. But how does that help me? It doesn't if you're not living in him. If you need your own personal victory, your trials will continue to beat you down. But if the victory of Christ rising from the dead can be your victory, nothing will ever keep you down. Your life matters. That's the problem, too. That's a big problem. If your life continues to matter to you, and you have to make people see that you really are amazing, your troubles will get you down and keep you down. But if his life matters and his victory can actually translate into your victory, you will not nothing will be able to get you down nothing will be able to keep you down hallelujah colossians ah just it just says colossians I'm not going to read the whole book <laughs> maybe after church <laughs> that's what we do we uh have we meet for church And then when my husband and whoever else gets tired and hungry, they go eat and we just keep going. Sometimes we go eat and then we get back together and read the Bible. Ah. Colossians 2, 6. And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Say, I have accepted Christ Jesus, my Lord now i must continue to follow him and in chapter three it says since you have been raised to new life with christ say i am raised to new life with christ set your sights on the realities of heaven where christ sits in the place of honor at god's right hand think about the things of heaven not the things of earth for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God and when Christ who is your life say Christ who is my life is revealed to the whole world you will share in all his glory I want everybody to go read first and second Peter but when you read second Peter And you read James 1, you can write notes on this. I'm not going to read all of them right now. James 1, 3, and Romans 5, 3 through 5. And you read your Bible and ask, ask the Lord to reveal his word to you. I need God to become real to you. How often can you live in the reality of Christ? As often as you will. As often as you will, not just when they hit that third course and modulate... but when you're folding clothes, and when you're taking out the trash that your husband didn't. I know about that one. You are going to start seeing why you should rejoice in trouble and trial. I'll just tell you briefly. The Bible says in second Peter, That the trials come to show that your faith is genuine. Trials come to produce patience. Patient endurance and perseverance. And the Bible also says patient endurance is what you need now. It didn't say, what you need now is a really good blessing, a good word spoken over you that you're going to make it. You better know you're going to make it because the life of Christ is in you. If you need something else with the life of Christ to make it, it's just going to be hard. As soon as the life of Christ in you is your victory, instead of feeling like you're drowning in the ocean of people not understanding your motives, And people not appreciating your giftings. You know the greatest calling? It's in 1 Peter. It says God has called you to himself. It's the only calling you need. It's the only calling I need. Is to be called to God himself through Christ. When his life becomes enough for you. Your troubles you will see with your new eyes. That your troubles are actually a puddle. Oh, I thought I was drowning. Well, that's because you were looking at your troubles instead of looking at him. And you say, I don't know how to do that. You better find out. You have pastors, worship leaders, prophets that will help you make that a reality that you know Christ. That his word, that he can contact you through your newly freed spirit. And anybody who wants to be free in a minute, I want you to come up. If you want to give your life to Christ for the first time, that's what we want to do first. But if you have given your life to Christ, but your heart is ruled by offense and bitterness that you justify because of how bad they were and how right you are, and you want to be free of that so that Christ can contact you, so that God can actually speak to you, then I want to pray for you too. See, it can go if you learn to see with eyes of faith. Your troubles will go from an ocean that's drowning you. And you just can't wait till you get to the other side so you can have peace and joy. You better have peace and joy here because that's the kingdom. (laughs) What is the kingdom of God? Peace, joy, righteousness, power. You must be born again of the spirit. You must worship in spirit and truth, not emotion. Not according to chord changes. Not according to mood. Your mood cannot dictate your worship. You worship because God is good. And you will come to find out that the blessings are the actual testings. Because then you can move away from God and not know you need him. And the testings are the actual blessings because they will show you where your faith is. And your troubles become a puddle. I say we play some victory music because I believe that somebody's getting the eyes to see that they're not poor, pitiful people that God just keeps overlooking that the troubles are actually little puddles that I can dance in. And this trouble is producing an ocean of glory that I can swim in. Why? Because I've been raised to life with Christ. Because my new home are the heavenlies. I have received a promotion that I can never lose. If you will let the life of Christ and your brand new promotion the heavenlies be the only promotion you'll ever need can you let that be the only promotion you you don't need to be lifted up in people's eyes if my husband could just appreciate me if my kids just knew if our pastors would just you have received that's my alarm realize I need God goes off through the day see I don't want to forget I need him I don't want to think that I'm really doing something here. <sighs> Last Sunday, I'll share one more story. Last Sunday, when I was singing and God was singing the whole sermon through me, all of a sudden it felt amazing. I was like, "Wow, this is fun!" And I'm like, "Whoa!" And I disconnected from that feeling so it could stay Christ and not me, Christ in me, the hope of glory, not a better me for more glory. Say, Christ in me, the hope of glory, not a better me for more glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I could be sin. Could you dare to stir your faith, to have the eyes to see that your troubles are small? Your troubles are a puddle you could dance in. Your troubles are a puddle you could dance in. Your troubles are a puddle you could dance in. Making glory oceans you can swim in. Making oceans of glory you can swim in. I hope, how many of you feel like your mindset has shifted about your life? I want to see your hand. That your mindset has shifted about your life. And you're not going to wait anymore for God to change your circumstances so you can worship him and feel like you have victory. He has won the victory. And if his overcoming the world can overcome your trouble. That means you're living in Him. He said, in me, you may have peace. In this life, you will have trouble. So if your trouble overwhelms you, you can tell you're still very much of this world. You're rooted in this life. You may be a believer, but your your value system is this life and what it's supposed to look like. But if you are in Him, you will have actual peace in the trouble that He promised. (laughs) why would god do that because it's not about this world because it's not about this life because it's about the next one and we get to live in the next one now <laughs> so i get to live in the next one now i get to live in the next one now if anyone wants to give their heart to jesus right now i'd love for you to come up we want to pray with you first i want to open it up Anyone who has not received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, we want to pray for you. Ah, We thank you, Lord. And if that's you and you don't want to come along, you can come when the others come. That's fine. Because it's about your commitment to Jesus, not us. Because of your commitment to us, you'll commit to the body. But that's not the first step, is it? now if you want to make a fresh commitment to his life if you want to say christ i believe that you live again and i'm saying you you can live again in me i'm saying that your life means more than mine i'm saying that as of today your victory is my victory your life means more than mine your victory is my victory i will not live waiting for promotion I will not live waiting to be free of the thing that you have sent to bless me I will not be live waiting for you to take away a test that came to prove that my faith is genuine Lord I recommit to your life in me I have committed my life to you now I recommit I commit to your life in me if that's you I want you to come up And also, if you feel that your heart is heavy with offense, unforgiveness, bitterness, and you would like to be free, because see, what happens sometimes is is the parts of our life that we refuse to lay down, the parts that we're supposed to crucify so that the Spirit of God can rise and, and live in us, sometimes the enemy will send a demon to reinforce that area. And so sometimes it's it's past just a decision for you. You need deliverance. And if that's you, come forward because we're going to pray right now. And the Lord is going to free you. Yes, if the prayer team can come on up. Oh, don't wait for me. I'll try to get there, but I'm just going to worship the Lord. See, as we worship the actual Christ, the actual Christ will come and touch you. Actual Jesus actual Jesus come and touch your people let your actual life actually make a difference in ours let your actual life make an actual difference in my heart Jesus come and touch your people Jesus come touch your people give us eyes to see and ears to hear come on ask him say Jesus help me see you Jesus help me hear you come on if that's your prayer pray Jesus give me eyes to see you give me ears to hear you give me a heart that believes That all things are possible with you, God. Give me a heart that can dance in trouble. Give me a heart that can get my eyes off my trouble and unto glory. Unto glory, unto glory, unto
0: glory, unto glory. glory.